0: tour guide this morning through the scriptures. Uh, again, if I haven't met you, my name's Pastor Mickey, uh, part of the pastoral team here. But let's stand together. Uh, Pastor Miles is taking a little extra time to be with his family as he drives and works hard and uh, just a special time. But let's pray together as we ask God to stir our hearts to minister to us as the Holy Spirit is actually here in our presence. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful group of people. You just needed a little more coffee, I think. Uh, You have a little bit of, uh, what do you call it, tryptophan or whatever, all that stuff in you for all that. So let's all repent of gluttony and then we'll uh, we'll get to enjoy the goodness of the Lord. Um, Lord, I, I just thank you again for the beautiful people that make up the Rock Church. I pray that this morning that truly we can experience gratitude from the depth of our heart for who you are and all that you do, and are doing, and will do, and I, I pray that uh, today would be just an enrichment in our faith, to really know the depth of who you are, and what you've done for each and every one of us, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Now before you sit down, I want you to introduce yourself to someone new, and tell them what was your favorite part of Thanksgiving this week, okay? Real quick, what was your favorite part of Thanksgiving? Okay, and as you take a seat, uh, go ahead and give them a hug and say, thank you, thank you. Well, this morning, I'm going to ask you to take out your Bibles or your phone app Bible or lean on over and grab your neighbor's Bible, but we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the third book of the New Testament, chapter 17, Uh, Today, we're going to kind of wrap up this Thanksgiving weekend looking at thanks and giving, but the whole sense of uh, what it is that God looks for in our gratitude, in our thankfulness. And actually, chapter 17, let me kind of give you a a perspective of where this falls in the midst of the, the story and the testimony of what Jesus was doing Chapter 17 begins Jesus' journey from northern Israel, actually Galilee, then through Samaria. And he's on his way to Jerusalem where he's headed to the cross. And he's preparing his followers for these final days, final messages to kind of carry them through and propel them into their mission and vision of the kingdom of God without Jesus physically being present. And so he's preparing their hearts. I I have the privilege of serving with the fire department here locally as a chaplain, the Harbor Police Coronado Fire Department, medical examiner. As a, a ministry, we reach out to the community in times of need and even in times of tragedy. And we actually host here in this sanctuary the Fire Department Academy throughout the year. They have several graduation academies uh, the whole bottom section here is filled with family members. Very honorable. It's beautiful to see these graduates as they launch out into our community to serve us in times of need. Well, on the last day, on the morning of the graduation, they have their last day in their academy. And I, I'm privileged to be able to share on how to take care of yourselves, about your faith, your family, your friendships. But also, the former assistant chief, who's now our fire chief, Brian Fennessy, the chief has like a final moment with all the recruits, and he he shares uh, just three things. He says, you know, when people call 911, they have certain expectations, and he, he challenges the new recruits, and he says, number one, they expect you to get there fast, and number two... They expect you to know what you're doing. In a time of crisis, you're coming into people's lives where their world is just turned upside down. And then he said, number three, they expect you to be nice, to have some compassion, to be sincere in what you do. Now think about this. As they're launching out to serve our community, he's giving them those final words. Get there fast, know what you're doing, and be nice, have some compassion as you care for people. Well, in the same sense, as we read Luke chapter 11, or chapter 17, the Lord's preparing them with some basics. In fact, in chapter 17, he's gonna prepare them by challenging them to understand this essential foundations of forgiveness, verses 1 through 6, and then their faithfulness, verses uh, 7 through 10. And then thankfulness, verses 11 through 19. And so I want to focus in on this story, this testimony. And it's probably a story some of you that uh, have read through the scriptures, you've become so familiar with. And maybe for some of you, this is all new to you. But it's him preparing them as they're launching out and they're headed to the cross, but yet not knowing what awaits them. So look with me, verse 11, it says... Now it happened, as, as Jesus went to Jerusalem, he's on his way to Jerusalem, he's headed there, he's getting close, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now, Galilee is where he did a lot of ministry, that region of Galilee up in northern Israel. And then he's passing through along near the Jordan, and he'll come up along the east side, and he'll eventually pass through Jericho, where he he heals a couple blind men and then he heads up to Jerusalem and this is where uh, the, the final days of Jesus is where before he's crucified in the sight of all his, his disciples, all Jerusalem and he sacrifices his life for the sins of humanity. And so we can read through these stories and there are great principles to learn but you have to, I want you to kind of sense the tension. Of what Jesus was walking towards, what he was anticipating, and how important these these teachings, these experiences are, because they're gonna be the last things that they're gonna go through before Jesus ascends into heaven. You know, this morning praying for you and uh, this past week, and you know, I I feel kind of like a parent or a grandparent in this sense, because I, I know all of us have different backgrounds. Uh, different experiences for some of you, your Thanksgiving as you shared, you focused on the food, you just had great food and uh, others, the friendships, the family that was gathering together, some of you loving the football games and all the just kind of the traditions that come with this year but I realized that for many this season could be a great hardship As perhaps a loved one has passed away around this time of year where, you know, the season approaches and there's some anxiety and there's some sorrow, there's some grief. And for others that have just gone through some trials of late, you're just questioning, God, where are you? Why? Why would this happen? God is always preparing us. God is always, in fact, we refer to him as God our father. My, My dad growing up was a police officer. Uh, He made it through the ranks up in Hermosa Beach and ended up being the chief of police. Now, as a kid growing up, your dad's the chief of police, you always get in trouble. Everyone rats you out and everything. And and my two older brothers, they would always get into conflict. And this one time, they were just just at each other's throats. My dad walked in the room and said, "That is it. Stop your fighting." this is the last time I'm going to tell you today, quit your bickering, your brothers, you need to get along. And when the chief of police is talking to you, you know, it's just like, okay, okay. Well, a couple hours later, my brothers got into it. And my dad, very stern, very strong, didn't yell, didn't hit us. He walked in the room and said to my brothers, that is it. I warned you And he goes, sit down on the couch. And they're sitting on the couch. And my dad walks out with a plate full of rocks, little rocks. And he sets it in front of my two older brothers. And he says, you're not going to leave this room until you eat every single rock on that plate. (laughs) My brothers were like, don't make us eat rocks. (laughs) He goes, start eating. I'm going to teach you a lesson you will never forget. And they're like, you've got to be kidding me, you know. And he just says, start eating. And so one by one, they reached out onto the plate. And just, you can imagine the anxiety. And so they plopped a rock in each of their mouths. And it was candy rocks. (laughs) You know, the ones that look like rocks. And my dad said to my brothers, he goes, now this time it was candy. Next time they'll be real. And for whatever reason, my brothers didn't argue from that day forward, you know, uh, those lessons learning, you know. Now, some of us have perspectives that you view God as an angry judge. Or you have this, you know, experience that God is mad at you. And you try hard to try to always please him and, trying to do the right thing or you fear the future. You're not so certain about life and you have this, this perspective of an angry, wrathful, judgmental God that is always just watching over you and you're driven by guilt and sometimes by shame. And yet the scripture refers to God as a gracious, loving, a father that's always longing for us not just to have a relationship, but intimate relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, grasp this as we we read this testimony of these 10 lepers. Again, he's on his way to Jerusalem and these 10 lepers come out, verse 12, and he entered a certain village there and met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. Now, In Jewish culture and understanding, if you had leprosy, it's a a horrible skin disease, the nerve endings uh, cease to work, you can't feel the infections and the descriptions of dying flesh, actually the stench, it would affect their larynx where their voices would be hoarse and these 10 lepers, according to scripture, would have to be off away from people. In fact, Leviticus 13 says they dwell alone. And when someone would approach near you, you had to call out and say, unclean. I'm unclean. Keep your distance. You now imagine, growing up or at this stage in your life, who can you be with? So lep- the lepers would hang together. These ten lepers were together together. In verse 13, it says, And they lifted their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They weren't yelling, unclean, unclean. They were lifting their voices, probably at a distance, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. In the midst of their shame, the midst of their suffering, Whether it's been weeks, months, or years in isolation from family, from friends. In verse 14 it says, and when he saw them, Jesus said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. He didn't say be healed. He didn't say anything except go to the priests. And as they just got up and started to walk and head head towards the priest because the priests were like the inspectors. They had to pronounce you as clean or unclean. They got up, started walking there, and real quickly it says it was as they went, they were cleansed, verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice, it says, he glorified God. And he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Now, the Samaritans were not to commingle with the Jews, the Hebrews. And yet these ten lepers, we would understand the other nine perhaps were Hebrews or or Jewish. And now this one foreigner comes back and gives thanks It says, verse 17, so Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, literally, in the Greek, the word made you well is the Greek word sozo, which it says, your faith has saved you. And throughout the New Testament, that phrase is in terms of not just physical, but eternal salvation. Your faith has saved you. Now, I want you to to sense the feeling. I I want you to go here. Here's an individual living with shame, It's an outcast, and the guilt, and... Perhaps perspective, God, you're, you, you're angry with me, you're judging me, your wrath is upon me. Why, why do I have this leprosy? And as they're on their way, they're cleansed, and one returns to give thanks. Now I want you to think about this, because the other nine, imagine this, the ten of them walking says, go to the priest. They're on their way. They're walking. All of a sudden, they realize their sores are gone. All 10 of them have been healed. I would venture to say that the nine were like, this is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And they kept walking. One of them turned around, not only feeling gratitude, but wanting to do something about it. Now, I share this because my, my heart has always been, over the years, so burdened for the church. And I know as, as your servants here, the pastors, we, we don't want anything from you. It's We want for you that you would discover the intimacy, the beauty, the wonder, the freedom of this amazing relationship God has for you. And for many people, church becomes tradition. I go to church. It's something I do. It's what I do on Sundays, and I have my time. And and there's so much more God has for you. Our pastor, Miles, is constantly challenging us to to be more, to do more, to grow more, and not just to be in the routines. You know, churches throughout America, the studies show that 10% do all the service 10% do all the giving, 10% are involved, and 90% are are consumers. They're just spectators. They're not involved, they're not giving, and yet they feel good about the church experience. They feel good that God is there and what we learn. Now, I'm I'm grateful that more than 10% here at the Rock Church are involved. But Jesus asked the question, where are the nine? Where are the nine? They felt gratitude, but did not express gratitude. They were there, experienced God's goodness, but just went on with their day. And I would say that the Samaritan returned not so much for what he got but for who Jesus was and is. Because it says he fell at his feet and worshiped in a loud voice, thank you God for the glory of who you are, what you've done. It was not just words that he said, it was an expression of his heart of who God is that 's what so much we want for all of us, those online as well that that we break out of our cultural mode mold that that faith in God is just a ritual it 's a duty and i 'm trying to be good enough, and if I try harder god God will like me and and then when we fail we we feel guilt and remorse and shame and all these things that we have this relationship. When I'm doing good, I feel good about myself. And when I'm doing bad, I, I feel bad about myself. And then we struggle in our relationships. Here, I want to encourage you today, and we'll wrap this up in just a moment, that our faith is to be more than just feeling, but God desires that we express from the depth of our heart and what we say what we do, what we, how we live, and even how we worship. That we worship with a, a knowledge of who God is. And I want you to think for a moment of leprosy in the sense of, because throughout scripture it's used as a symbol of sin. It's what separates us, not only from each other and our relationships, it separates us from God. Well, I, had, I received a letter a number of years ago. Dear woman, who uh, her and her husband went to a married couple's Valentine's dinner. It was at another church in North County, and my wife and I were there. We had the opportunity of sharing a message of encouragement challenge. And during our time together, after the meal, I told the couples, I, I said, you know, just take a few minutes, and I want you to turn to each other and say, what is it that you love most about each other? What is it you appreciate the most about each other? married couples together. Couples immediately turned and started interacting. And over a month later, I got this letter from someone in attendance and it said, Dear Pastor Mickey, you spoke at our married couples dinner and you had the couples tell each other what we loved most about our spouse. My husband, who has a challenge in sharing his feelings, found it difficult at the time to say anything. But on the way home, he told me that he was so proud of me. And he said that he could never have known what a wonderful mother and wife I would be. And that he loved me. Couldn't get the words out during the dinner. But on the way home, he started to express to his wife. And then she goes on. Who would have guessed that three short weeks later, our eight-and-a-half-month-old baby was to die in a drowning accident? The most difficult part for me was my feelings of absolute failure as a mother. For 13 years, mothering had been my identity because I had four children. I really wanted to die, but God has most graciously picked me up and has truly given me his promised comforter, and the words that came back to me were the ones I most most needed to hear, and they were the words from that night the couple's dinner, the words from my husband I never could have known what a wonderful wife and mother you would be, and that he loved me. I needed those words so much, they spoke truth when it was so easy to believe a lie. You know, I'm convinced that we do not. Express gratitude enough in our world for the people that service in, you know, the restaurants, the people that we run into, and then bring it to our family and friendships. We, we take so much for granted. I, I work, again, with, with hospice and hospitals, and I'm in a, a lot of situations where people, when tragedy happens in their life, and they have regrets There's a couple of uh, expressions of this where uh, uh, hospice nurses, one I've worked with, and a couple books that express these same thoughts. But they're five of the top regrets that people share kind of at the end of their life. Listen to these. Number one, I wish I had lived a life for a purpose greater than me. To live for significance, not just existence. Number two, I wish I hadn't been so busy rushing through life. wish I had slowed down to savor the moments. Number three, I wish I had expressed my feelings more openly, that I, my love and appreciation for people. Number four, I wish I had spent more time laughing with family and friends. Take life too seriously sometimes. And number five, I wish I had invested my life with eternity in mind. Now, one of the writings, the nurse goes on, and she records conversations she had with people at the end of their life. And Jerry Hirsch, at age 70, he had cancer. He says, I was too good at keeping grudges. If somebody crossed me, that was it. Finished. You could get down on your knees, and I wouldn't bat an eyelash. I dropped friends right and left. No one could live up to my standards. Then one day, my daughter wrote me off. I didn't come through in a promise, and zap, she was done with me. She wouldn't let me explain, so I got a taste of my own medicine. It's been more than 20 years now, and we haven't said a word to each other says, I've been wanting to call my daughter, but it's too late. I let too many years go by. This conversation was recorded the day before he passed away from cancer. I think, how tragic. To let grudges, to let differences where we go silent to one another the things that get in our way between us and God where people actually get mad at God because of the circumstances of our lives, how about today we get a fresh start, become people of gratitude, and then we start to express thanks as this one. You know, the Bible says that there's a broad way that leads to destruction and a narrow road that leads to life. That there's many that will say, Lord, I felt good about you. But he says to them, multitudes, I never knew you. But I was there. I went to church. I even saw some amazing things happen. But they didn't have an intimate relationship. They were like the nine. They left with gratitude. But they didn't know or they didn't come back to surrender the giver of life let me just close with four encouragements four exhortations in fact when you go home today you get in the car with friends or family and you sit down in the seat just turn to one another and say tell them what you appreciate about them what you're grateful for about their life You know, so many people do live with regrets of words unsaid, deeds undone. You know, next year or next week or tomorrow. And we never get around to those, those expressions and we are consumed with thoughts of self. And yeah, I feel, I feel grateful. But true love is not just feeling. True love is action. So number one, let me encourage you, say thank you as many times as you can. You know, don't just make a point, make a difference as you value the people around you. Your gratitude would be like this one, he turns and gives thanks to God. Number two, show you're thankful by not just words, but what you do. You see, love is It's really devotion plus motion. It's not just the feeling, but it's what we do. In fact, love in the scriptures is always an active active verb. It's what we do for one another. Number three, live thankfully. Do you know that we are most full when we are emptied of ourselves? Studies show that 22% of people people that are happy have 22% less incident of heart disease. The studies looking at people expressing themselves, I'm generally more happy, I have a happy attitude, have less tension. And one of the strongest predictors of people that are happy, they have an attitude of gratitude. They live a life of gratefulness, thankfulness. So say thank you, show you're thankful, and then let me encourage you, Live thankfully, and then finally, worship with thankfulness. Worship with thankfulness. You see, our faith, is not how much you know that makes a difference. It's how much we love. It's how much we give. But we have our campaign, All In. All In is is like the, the one who returns and just... As a heart of gratitude, he falls at the feet of Jesus. In chapter 7 of the Gospel of Luke, just a few chapters earlier, there's a woman. She enters into a Pharisee's house. And there's Jesus with Simon the Pharisee. They're having a meal together. And she walks up. The scripture says she walks up behind Jesus and starts to weep. And the scripture notes that she was a very sinful woman. She had a past, she had brokenness and shame in her life. And then it says that she starts to weep at his feet and her tears are, are just drenching his feet. And then her hair was long enough, she starts to wipe his feet with her hair In brokenness. And she had a very expensive perfume. And she opens it and starts to pour it on his feet and the fragrance starts to fill the room. And Simon, the Pharisee, the scripture says he thought to himself, well, what kind of prophet is this? Doesn't he know what kind of woman she is? And Jesus, knowing his thoughts, he says, hey, Simon, when I I came into your house, uh, you didn't offer me any water to wash my feet, but this dear woman has washed my feet with her tears. You didn't greet me with a kiss. When I entered your home, but this woman has not ceased but to kiss my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has taken this fragrant, very expensive, fragrant oil and has anointed my feet. And then Jesus said, he says, They that have been forgiven much love much. They that have a sense of their leprosy, And the cleansing that God does in our life sets us free from judgment, from our our shame, our guilt. You see, guilt is when I've done bad. God forgives that. Shame is when we're made to feel that I am bad. God doesn't love me. God is angry with me. That the work of Jesus Christ and the work of the cross sets us free from all that would separate us from him, from each other, cleanses us from our spiritual leprosy. And all he's longing for is for us to come to him and acknowledge his goodness and his grace. Not just for what he does, but for who he is. Master, I give glory to you, God. My worship would be filled because of who you are. Not just the benefits that I get. And so as we close in prayer, I, I just want to encourage us to kind of have an opportunity to wash the slates clean. And there's some, perhaps, you've been so busy about life. God's been on the back burner. Or maybe you're here and you've never entered into this relationship and you feel like a leper. You sense the shame. You sense the guilt. The judgment. You're not sure where you're headed, the end of your life. You're not sure of heaven and hell. You know, for me, I started reading the Bible when I was 21 years of age, didn't know anything about God, and it was there. I had this sense of if there is a God, then there's probably a heaven and hell. If there's a heaven and a hell, I'm probably headed to hell. I had a sense of remorse for my life and the guilt. and Literally, it was like, Lord, have mercy on me. And as I read the Gospels, I I found that, number one, I had to admit. We have this written on your study guide every week, to admit that I've sinned. Number two, I, I need to believe that the work of the cross, that God sent his only begotten son to die on a cross for my sins. And see, the Bible says that we're to confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. It's for us to actually acknowledge to not be of the nine or the 90% that just go on with their life. And, you know, I feel, I feel good. But he says you need to now make that stand. And I, I want to encourage you. You've drifted from the Lord or maybe you're at a place you're distant from him or you've just been consumed with yourself. And God's tugging on your heart. You need to break away from the crowd to turn away from everybody else and go to him and say, God, I'm all in. Not all in just with, you know, my my words, but all in with my life and how I live. That I want you. I want all of you because of all that you've done for me would you bow your hearts with me don't rush off at this moment but would you just in the quietness of your heart just pray this prayer and say Jesus I realize that my life has I've, I've lived for myself I, I feel grateful at times but I often don't do anything about it I'm, I'm not engaged I'm not involved I'm I don't serve. I I realize, Lord, I'm living for myself in a selfie generation. I got my focus about me. Or if you're here and as yet you've never received Christ, you've never acknowledged or repented of your sins, that you would, in the quietness of your heart, just say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to wash me. And give me a heart of gratitude, not just for what you've done, but for who you are. And I want to live for you. I don't want to be religious. I want to give you my life and surrender to you and live out a life of freedom, of cleansing. And so I want to come to you and to turn from all those that are walking away from you. And so I receive you into my life this day. Or maybe you're here as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You've drifted from the Lord. You've once been nearer to the Lord. Your life has just gotten distracted and you realize today, this Thanksgiving weekend, you you just want to express your gratitude for the Lord and you need to return to him. Say, God, I I ask for your forgiveness. You, You know my failings. You know my heart's desire. But I need to express to you my devotion with motion and that my love would be authentic and so Lord forgive me forgive me for living for myself I'm walking so much of my life apart from who you are and as eyes are closed heads are bowed if you've prayed that prayer and and God's speaking to your heart here at the Rock Church we we love it that people would make a public stand for their faith. Maybe you're not sure where you are with God if you should die, if you're going to heaven or hell. And today, God has given you the opportunity to walk away from the 90% and to be one of the 10% in the sense that you publicly acknowledge and go for the mercy and grace of God. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to be bold. And I ask you to do what that leopard did as he stood away from the crowd. So if that's your heart's desire and you wanna surrender your heart to Jesus Christ, your heart's probably pounding right now and you're embarrassed or you're, you're struggling on you know, just this public confession or commitment to him, I'm gonna ask you to boldly stand right where you are in your seat to make a stand for Jesus Christ. Take that stand to know that God, you're surrendering your life to him today. You're here, take a stand. God bless you. God bless you. Others, don't hold back. God bless you. I'm gonna encourage you. We wanna rejoice with the angels of heaven. Now you would make that stand that Jesus Christ is your Lord. You're not going to play religion. You desire God's forgiveness to cleanse you. Stay standing. Anybody else? Anybody else? You know, we want to celebrate with you. And so I'm going to ask those of you that are standing or those that are still just holding back, I'm going to ask you to come up front here to acknowledge as we want to celebrate your relationship with God. So come out of your role. Come on down. We want to celebrate you. Whether one or two or 10 or 20, we want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. you. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you, sir. Hey, God bless you. Anybody else? Well, you know, God, God loves you guys. I don't know your story, but God does. And here, we have many people, I know some are rushing out for their cars right now, and, and yet we wanna take a moment with you to encourage you in your faith. We have what's called the life class to encourage you and the steps to how you're gonna grow. We have life groups to encourage you in community, to help you meet friends, but I, I wanna honor you as you're making this stepping out of the crowd, turning away from all that was, and to approach him with humility. God loves you, and God wants to transform your life. So would we pray for them as we we wrap things up? Lord, I pray for these individuals, you know their hearts. I thank you for their boldness to step out of the crowd just like the leper, to come to you and to honor you for who you are. And I pray you would just bless them and you know their story. I pray that you would just cleanse them and give them just a newness of life and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna ask you to turn to your right. Um, Let me encourage you You know, here at the Rock Church Every week we have opportunity to welcome people into the kingdom like this I I honor you for staying and celebrating us The Bible says the angels of heaven rejoice over one person Just one that turns their heart to the Lord So delights, the Lord so delights in that I'm going to ask Pastor Greg to come up and close the service with us
1: Good morning, family. It's so great to see you here this weekend on this Thanksgiving weekend. I just want to call attention to a couple of things before we break. Uh, If you didn't get a chance to fill out your all-in commitment card, we're going to celebrate next Sunday. Next Sunday, as Pastor Miles said, is Celebration Sunday, where we're going to take that first look. And what we're going to do or what God is going to do through us in the Rock Church here in the next couple years. And so we want to make sure that your part is counted. So if you haven't filled this out yet, go ahead and fill it out. Drop it in the offering boxes as we go uh, so that you can be counted. Make sure to show up next week for Celebration Sunday as we take that first look into what God wants to do in the next two years through this church. Amen? Now, we're going to enter into our time of giving And I want to do something just a little bit different. Thanksgiving is this first part of the season where we start to enter into the traditions of the holidays. And you, like me, probably love traditions, but sometimes with traditions, we just do things just kind of out of old habits. And we we lose kind of that flavor. So what I want you to do, if you would do this with me, I want you to take five seconds. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think back to all of the things that God has done. In your life, where He's brought you from to the point where He's brought you right now. Just think about that, and I want that to fuel the celebration as we enter this time of giving. So we'll just just stop and think, and then I'm going to count to three, and we're going to celebrate together. All right, one, two, three. Let's give it up for the Lord. have so much to be thankful for amen amen thank you so much family for doing that you know the apostle paul says when he spoke of the philippian church and how they faithfully gave to his ministry he says not that i seek the gift because i know how to live with a lot a lot and i know how to live with little it says not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. We want you to partner with us in what God is going to be doing through this church, and that's what giving is all about. There's three ways that you can give. If you're watching online, you can click on the give button. You can text the amount to give to five nine seven six nine, or you can give in any one of the offering envelopes. Our boxes are at the doors. I'm going to pray for us. The pastoral support team is out here in front. If you have a need. We want to pray for you. We want to help you through this time. Father, we thank you so much that you give us an opportunity to partner with you in the amazing work that you're doing. Lord, we ask that you would bless these gifts, that you would multiply them, that it would multiply your impact and your influence through this world. And we trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great weekend.
2: Run my praise, as I sing of Your love, Holy Spirit fire burn within my soul. As I call on Your name, as I call on Your name, as I call. Jesus, as a call on Your Jesus, Lord, as a call. On me. say Tell but the storm
1: me.